Let me see. Ooh. Julie? Getting some things yeah. together. Hi. Hey, Julie. Hi. A little hard to hear you. There's some background. Right. Um, what about now? That's, yeah, I think that's better. Better? Okay. Yeah, we're doing some adjustments. Oh, okay. Rock is. Uh, said I could speak to you today. <laughs> situated here okay yeah got him a few seconds a few minutes like a minute or so Quite how are you with timing good i'm fine thanks okay all right hey 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 yeah oh i check my stand one two one two one two put on the headphones then go ahead mic check Oh, we have three, four, three, four. Yeah, yeah. Hot mic. Hot mic. Hot mic. But we on? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Once you hear it. Yeah. We are live and direct. Right. Okay. So we don't want to. Let's go to work. Let's do Let's it. do it. People, watch your headphones, turning into the microphone. Make everybody reasonable. <laughs> Let's go to work. Once again, you're tuned into the One Night Your Show. We do this every week at four o'clock. Right now, it's 66 degrees and it's cloudy. <laughs> There's showers in the city. Yes, sir. Traffic is a little crazy out there on the Grand Central, y'all. When I was coming into work today, I was struggling to get in. Rock logic, weather and traffic. <laughs> so I'm giving you all time to get into the chat room. Make sure you share, share, share. You should have either gotten your notifications or your notifications are coming up right now. Oh, we got a healthy show today. <laughs> Rock Logic's in the building. Stan Moss is in the building. Yes, sir. Mike Jones is in the building. Sandrea Coleman's in the building. We all here. The One Night Your Family's in the house. Big shout to everybody that tuned in to Boardwalk Global Media this week. We had a good show on The Real Discussion. We had a good show on Me Gente Me People. We had a good show with Maria Davis on Monday, so we moving. It's good to see y'all back. Did you get your peanuts that I left you? I got them right there. Okay. Come so on. I can eat them during the show. Oh, okay. And they are walnuts, my friend. They okay. are walnuts. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yes, sure, indeed. Sure. And we got a special guest in the house. But I'm not going to talk about that because my, my guest is big today. She's big. You understand what I'm saying? Word up. <laughs> We got a lot going on. Yeah, come on now. Three time what? Commissioner? Come on now. We got things going on here at the One Night Show. Since it's 2020, what? Word up. There we go. We're in the room. I want to thank you all for tuning in again. Share, share, share. Please do. Give me your time to get in the room. Let me break out my phone. I got to share from here. Sharing from the computer and stuff. Stan got a nickname, but I ain't gonna call him down here. <laughs> Word up. <laughs> I'm gonna do it. I gotta do it. That's good. That's good. Word up. 
Yeah, we got a good show today. We're in good spirits, too. We're in good spirits. Yeah. Everybody's we always happy. on off, right? Yeah. Everybody's always happy. Yeah. And bang. Once again, this is the One Night You Show, and we rock every Sunday at 4 o'clock right here in our studios in Astoria, New York. And uh, we got, like, a huge guest on today. I love this. I love when we have big guests. It's always a lot of fun. Big shout out to all you, uh, all you TA presidents and all you residents that tune in and everybody that's in the fight. Yeah. Right? Comrades. Everybody that's in the fight. Comrades. All the comrades that are in the fight out here struggling against the privatization privatization <laughs> privatization you, you get it you, get you like it. that one you get Pri- it. Private, it privatization privatization you get it you get it of NYCHA right mm-hmm. and that fight continues every day every day every day, day we out here every day all day we are out here and um you know Mike and Sandra this week they visited a couple of the um housing developments that mm-hmm. Uh, and I saw some pictures upstairs and mm. some deplorable conditions that I saw as usual. And, you know, we got to get this situation a little bit better, y'all. You know what I'm saying? We got to we can't live like this. We can't yeah. live like this. You know, uh, my week was, um, you know, I think I'm, I'm going to tell you the truth. I think I'm suffering from some kind of Alzheimer's or something because I be forgetting what I did this week. Mm. Mike, what did we do this week? Did we do the schools this he gotta, week? He got to ask Mike. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we did um, the schools. Okay, all right. So we we did, yeah, we were building studios in the schools. Big shout out to Farrell's Academy. We did that at the top of the week. And that's kind of been my week. Um, I was a little busy, um, but I just don't remember how busy I was, so I'll just skip my part. All right, all right, Sandra, so how was your week? Well, that's why I, back to you, Sandra. That's why I note some stuff down. So I don't forget. <laughs> you know, I, ain't nothing that's wrong right. with that. Ain't I'm nothing not wrong. Up, getting up there in age, yeah, yeah. Well, no, yeah. Wednesday and got his book out. Not that it, you know he needs it. But anyway, yes. Greetings, all. I'm Sandra I. Coleman. Um, uh, my week was busy and blessed as always. Uh, you know, I'm always checking on residents to make sure they their needs are met. Uh, PPE, do they need any social uh, work? You know, I'll direct them to the center if they're not connected. And just to see, you know, you need anything from the store, stuff like that. You know, just being present in the community. Um, I'm going to jump right into Wednesday. Wednesday, I was at the membership meeting for the Isaacs Center that is on the campus of Isaac Houses. And I am, as I said last week, I will be uh, doing uh, bio writing. So uh, for residents of the Isaac Center, so some of them mostly will be seniors, but we got a slide. I was able to present um, what I'm going to do. And so that's, uh, can I get some on that? So, um, yeah, and it's um, the residents will be able to tell their story because when you actually ask a person, do you have a bio? And we did it. Recently, some people right. just don't have a bio prepared and it's very important to have your bio. You never know. And there's a lot of reasons to have it. Right. So you might be asked to be uh, you might somebody want to might want to honor you. Right. Or Absolutely. just know something about you or you're going to be a speaker. And and sadly, you know, part of your bio can be part of your obituary, depending on how you write it. You know, they, your family can pull because, you know, who knows you better than you. Right. right. Right, right, so um, right. I'm going to jump into Saturday. I went to my childhood development where I grew up at McKinley Houses. Um, I was flagged on social media. They have horrible conditions. There was a lot of garbage outside, Insane. flies, infestation in the hallways. They uh, had uh, 
closed off the uh, compactors and it, um, you have to wonder, it must was garbage in there. So the flies, just it just was bad. I mean, people have flies in the house. They have stickies wow. hanging in the hallways wow. and <clears throat> they just opened the compactor up the, the day before I did come up there. So, but when I got out there, I was able to survey. There's still a lot of trash outside and stuff like wow. that. So that's really unacceptable because that's a health hazard, you know, I mean, just garbage bags and it just looks bad up there. And they said they're not getting um, enough cleaning, you know, like people wow. are not cleaning and and uh, McKinley houses and forest houses, which live right side by side, um, has consolidated. So management, everything is in forest houses. Wow. So they feel they're not getting maintenance. Right, right, right. So and that's <clears throat> insane. So, you know, I'm on it. So right. we're on it. I'm on it. Yeah, we're going to get it done. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm going to jump right into today. This morning, I was hanging out with Congresswoman Carolyn Maloney. Okay. I was in Queensbridge. I was in Queensbridge this morning. Stephanie and some others. And, uh, you know, I'll talk a little bit offline about that. But it was, you know, nice to hang out with her and um, just, you know, do some things, walk around, meet okay, some of the good. community. Okay, and Stephanie good, wants good. me to come back up. You know, we did talk about you. And she Stephanie was like, Chauncey, yeah, yeah, yeah mm-hmm. Chauncey. And she was mm-hmm. just saying as a female, it's good for people to see female leadership. And today marks day 445 for UES for BLM, the vigil of Carl Schultz Park. So mm-hmm. and that was my week snapped up. Okay, all right, all right. Stan, jumping to you. Okay, I just want to uh, give a big shout out to the residents of Ravenswood. We continue to have our community meetings there. We have um, two scheduled this week, uh, one on Tuesday, one on Saturday. And it's um, interesting because one side of the development doesn't really interact with the other side. You know, so within NYCHA, you have um, sometimes divisions within the development itself. Okay. You know? So yeah. we're going to have the meeting on the other side of Ravenswood to get those folks involved in the fight against the blueprint and let the word get out, you know? So I'm definitely happy about that. And um, ultimately it's gonna lead to us having meetings in the community center where both sides awesome. can come together and really um, get this fight. But we have about maybe 30 or 40 people that are showing up on a regular basis. Okay, good. Uh, so I'm really good to see That's that. That's a big turn. Yeah, they're handing out flyers themselves. Uh, which is really good, and they're taking up the fight themselves. So I really, I'm really proud. You're creating the, leaders. Yeah, Give yeah. him some. He's creating I'm proud leaders. Of, of these <laughs> I also saw um, Angie Lynn, Angie okay. Lynn is um, coming out as independent. He has a forward party now. He's up starting an independent party. So I'm very interested to see where that goes. You know, somebody that believes a lot of times the Democrats and Republicans haven't always measured up to right. what we need. Running and watching wow. and watching the dysfunction in Washington. Mm-hmm. Um, they can't pass this this um this bill. We're going back and forth, back and forth right. for months now. Right. You know, and we need the money. You know, so watching the dysfunction in in, in Washington, mm-hmm. how Republicans and Democrats can't get along and get anything done, mm. I find that to be a very interesting move. But wow. I also know Andrew Yang's run here for mm-hmm. mayor president. was questionable. Mm-hmm. Yeah, president, you know, so mm-hmm. I mean, what are you really attempting to do? And are you really for independent politics or yeah. are you for yourself? And are you trying to just, you know, right. stay relevant? It so seems like some losers are jumping back in the race. Yeah, you Different know, ways. So, you know, We're not so, going to throw them right. out. So, names you, you right know, so my thought is maybe. Sore losers. Yeah, jumping you know, back you, in the race. If you was really committed to the cause, you might have been like a, a independent from the start. Exactly. You know, so that becomes a question as well. Okay. You know, and um, just want to make sure this infrastructure bill gets passed. You yeah. Know, we're, we're, we talked a little bit about it. Last week, you know, mm-hmm. and um, some of the concerns about it is all the money does not come immediately. Number one, that's always uh, that, that's an issue. Number two, NYCHA residents need to be at the table. Right. We need yeah. to be um, mm-hmm. in charge and, and right. have oversight yeah. over how, how that money is dispersed, you know, because yeah. we have 
the same thing happening at night is we see so many, so much money coming in right. and and disappears and right. no one knows where it goes. You and, know? So, and no conditions. And no conditions, conditions are change still bad. And, yeah. and all the rest of that. So we got our eyes on it. Okay. You know, we want to make sure we um we get, get justice for our people. Mm-hmm. Now, money, money, money Mike. Mike. What's going on? You gonna come out to meet in Ravenswood? Now we're gonna be there Tuesday. I'm gonna be there Saturday. So putting you on the spot. I'm putting you on the spot. You coming out, Mike? Yeah, I'll put me on the spot. All right, okay. If I said I'll be yeah. out there. How was your week, brother? Well, like I always say, you know, my week went by smooth. <laughs> but, um, smooth, money, Mike. That's the way we like that. Yeah, but, we like it smooth. Yeah, Mike's like always smooth. smooth. Spelled S-M-O-O-V. Like hot butter. Smooth. Like, 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 like hot butter. Hot butter wants some bread. Mike's smooth. Like smooth. Okay. We like it smooth. Okay. Uh-huh. okay. But I think I saved some lives. Nah, okay. We, for real. Um, we building these studios and these schools. That's saving some lives. Yeah, right? absolutely. Yeah, yeah. 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 Awesome. Awesome. CP, giving these CPR lessons. That's wow. saving some lives. Right? Absolutely. Right. Right. You had a few oh. CPR classes this week, right? Yes. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Awesome. So you know, right? So you know, I'm doing my thing. Just yeah. Trying to kick in there, stay in there. Okay. Good but um. Grandmama turned 71. Yes. Congratulations. Oh, congratulations. Oh, man. Yeah, Happy yeah, birthday to grandma. 71 years. Yeah. See what I mean? Hopefully I made it. That's a great age. And before we jump to our guest, there was a uh, shooting today in Queensbridge. Wow. So somebody else was killed. They said they was under the car or something like that. I don't know. My God. Stuff. Wow. You could probably reach out to Stephanie. She can yeah, get I'm more detail. Stephanie so there was some police wow. out there. Wow. We ready to go, Rob? We ready to go. All right, so um, we have the return of Julie Menon. She has won her city council race for District 5, so she is the Democratic nominee, and she has endorsements that are unbelievable. Okay. Everybody and anybody literally is endorsing her, from UTF to elected officials. I mean, she's a powerhouse. Unions and, you know, UTF is a union as well, but she's a real powerhouse and um, looking forward to her uh, getting past this general and um, working, doing work with her, you know, as a city council uh, member. So uh, without further ado, we're going to introduce and reintroduce Julie Menon. So y'all going to find out who is Julie. Hi, Julie. <laughs> Thanks for having me again. Great to see you all. Right. Yes, yes. Well, welcome back. So give people a little background of yourself, like maybe a little bit of um, where you was schooled at, uh, uh, your um, background of like where you uh, grew up at, if, you know, if you're a lifelong New Yorker, you know, a little something like that so they can kind of know who Julie is. Absolutely. Well, first of all, thank you so much for having me back. It's great to come back. I was on the show when I was running in the primary now, as Sandra said, I won the primary, now have a general election. And I'm so excited about this next step. I grew up in Washington, DC, but my mother grew up in this district in Council District 5. So I'll say about that because it's very motivational for me to be hopefully representing the neighborhood where my mother spent most of her childhood. My mom was born in Hungary. She was a Holocaust survivor. My grandfather was killed in the Holocaust and my mother and grandmother survived and came to New York City. They settled in a rent control department in Council District 5. And so now I hopefully will have the honor of representing this community that really gave my mother and my grandmother a a much better life. Uh, But I grew up in Washington, DC. I went to school here in New York at Columbia and studied there. Um, I'm a lawyer. 
practiced law for many years. And then I left the practice of law to open up a restaurant and catering mm. business. So okay. I took a 180 degree turn and really <laughs> opened up a small business okay. uh, and I opened up my small business in 1999, just to date myself a little bit. So quite a long time ago, okay. <laughs> just saying. And um, I worked night and day like any small business owner does. And unfortunately, my business was devastated on 9-11. It was located wow. a couple blocks away from what is now ground zero. At the time, my husband and I were living in lower Manhattan. My husband was supposed to be at a meeting right by the World Trade Center site. And at the last moment on the morning of September 11th, mm. he changed that location of his meeting. Wow. wow. Yeah. Wow. And, and, you know, in those hours after the first planes hit, I was trying to find him. Uh, you know, 9-11, both literally and figuratively changed the course of my life. We lost, um, unfortunately, many friends who were there. Uh, my business was completely devastated. Every window was blown out. The ash was in every crevice and pore of my business. My business was located in the frozen zone for those first three months. And we were evacuated from our home. And it was in the weeks after 9-11 that I started a not-for-profit focused on rebuilding uh, the community, focused on residents, uh, focused on small right. businesses. And that's what got me involved in public service in the first place. And then I ended up serving on the community board down there, chairing the community board for seven years. Mm -hmm. And that's really uh, what opened up my eyes to wanting to serve in this capacity. Awesome. Wow. That's a little bit how I started. I, you know, since that time, I've led three city agencies as commissioner. So I served as commissioner of the Department of Consumer Affairs for New York, I launched a paid sick leave law, the living wage law. Uh, and I served as commissioner of media and entertainment, where we really focused on empowering women in particular and creating more economic opportunities for women. Yeah. And then I served as a city census director. Yeah. I'm thrilled that New York City is num was number one in the census. Mm -hmm. And yeah. so that's going to be, we're going to have billions of dollars for housing. Yes, that deserves it. <laughs> So that's my story. Wow, that's wow, very, amazing. Um, that's amazing. Very great background. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'll let everybody else ask. I have one more question. Um, did serving on the community board ever intrigue you into running for office? And why did you originally join the board? I think you kind of answered it, but yeah. I, I know with the community board, you know, we have some of our elected officials have served. So as chair or co-chair, you know, uh, committees and stuff like that, because that is a, a, a stepping stone, a learning ground. But can you talk a little bit about that? And then absolutely. So, look, I never thought I would ever run for office. If someone okay. had told me 20 years ago, you're going to run for office, I would have said, absolutely not. I will never run for office. Okay. But after 9 11, when my business was devastated and we were evacuated from our home and my community was completely destroyed, that's what got me involved in public service. I got appointed to Community Board One. And then a couple members came to me and said, Would you run to chair our board? And I thought, wow. Me? Really? Why? <laughs> and they convinced me to run and I end up doing it for seven years. Wow. And you know, it was really a couple moments at C at Community Board One that made me realize I wanted to continue in a career in public office. There was one particular moment. Um, there was a project that came before Community Board One, the Islamic Cultural Center and Mosque. Okay. So this was a project where it was totally as of right. 
meaning the community board did not need to weigh in at all. The developer could have built the project. They wanted to build a mosque and an Islamic cultural center a few blocks away from ground zero. They mm -hmm. came to me and said, would you support the project? I said, absolutely, I will support the project. This is really important. Everyone deserves to worship and have freedom of religion. Right. And that is one of the fundamental principles you know, of, that our country was founded on. So I really believed in the project. Um, I supported it at the community board, wrote the resolution, Solution and got my board to support it. I had death threats as a result of that. Wow. It ended up being one of the most controversial projects. I mean, the media took it and, and really it was a lot of right-wing Republicans who came to our mm -hmm. community board meeting and tried to um, really focus on Islamophobia. And it was terrible. Mm -hmm. And it was at that moment that I realized I absolutely want to continue in public service because it's mm -hmm. so important to stand up even when it's very controversial. Right, right, right. Give us some. Absolutely. Don't stand. You know where the button is, right? Okay, but I don't want to block the camera. You play now. You had me in the seat last week. Yeah, you good. Yeah, <laughs> and so, and so uh, Julie, right now we are we're in a big battle uh, to make sure that NYCHA stays public mm -hmm. and that the blueprint is not passed and that we don't pass these um, the housing stock over to to private investors. You know, so what is your view on the blueprint? Are you in support of it? Are you against it? And what are your thoughts on it? So I think one of the challenges um, in terms of the blueprint is sort of a lack of public engagement. And we've mm -hmm. seen this happen on many, many issues where the city takes a position and yet there's not enough public engagement. And so I think particularly with the blueprint, you know, as I'm speaking and have for many years talked to residents of NYCHA who have real concerns, they feel that their voices are not being heard on this. We now have an opportunity with a complete change in city government. We have a new mayor, two thirds of the council is turning over. And so I think this is an opportunity really to re-engage. One of the things that I really wanna focus on in terms of NYCHA is I feel the city has not done enough to create job training centers. They haven't done enough to really make sure that there's economic opportunities for yeah. NYCHA residents. Right now, we have a city agency, Small Business Services, that's supposed to focus on job training. But if you really look at what they're doing, they aren't creating those job training programs in NYCHA. So that's one of the things that I would like to focus on. And mm -hmm. I think regarding the blueprint with this sea change in city government, it's an opportunity now to reimagine and re-engage and make sure that NYCHA residents are really being involved and have a seat at the table yeah. in the future and direction of NYCHA. Wow. So I have, a, I have a question. Julie, for the for the for the for the NYCHA buildings that have already been converted to RAD, mm -hmm. is there something that we could do to re to bring them back to public housing? Because we've lost a considerable amount of ground. Sure. I actually saw the map the other day in Manhattan alone. And there's gotta be about 10 developments that I saw that were already privatized. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. Right. So what could we do to get those buildings back into public housing? Well, I think certainly buildings that have gone through RAD, you know, are going to stay in that program. I mean, to, 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 to then convert it back, I think, you know, look, I'm putting my legal hat on and I have not looked at, at this particular <laughs> issue in terms of the legality of moving back. I don't think that's really going to happen. I think really it's a question moving forward of what is the future of NYCHA. First of all, we have to make sure that it's fully funded. You know, yeah. it's like for, for and, and we see what Congresswoman Nidia Velasquez, you know, in terms of her bill, we yes. have to make sure that NYCHA is fully funded. That's 
really where I think we've got to devote our energies to make sure that that's happening. Secondly, we need to make sure that there's real economic opportunity being created. You know, I know certainly with the Isaac Center, you know, we, and I was just speaking to Greg Morris there, there's not enough job training that is happening. Exactly. And again, that is a failure of the city of New York to not create those programs. We need to create internships for our youth. We need to create those, those you know, paid summer internships that are creating that pipeline for economic opportunity. And to not do that, you know, is unconscionable. Yeah. I know, and I know Eric Adams has spoken about this, um, really ensuring also in addition to job training, making sure that there is credit available for NYCHA residents that want to start businesses. You know, mm -hmm. we're not creating the economic <laughs> opportunity for our for NYCHA residents, shame on us. You know, we're then not creating a, a, a pipeline of, of being of NYCHA residents being able to open up their own businesses. So I know this is something that our future mayor has spoken about, and I look forward to partnering with him mm -hmm. on that. But we have to change the, the whole dynamic, and, and it starts with fully federally funding NYCHA because yeah. as you know so well, it's been underfunded for mm -hmm. so, so long and nothing, Absolutely. we're not gonna really be able to change this unless we get that funding. Wow. I wanna ask, just piggyback on something you mentioned about the Isaac Center and the training, since that's a campus that I live on. Um, the Isaac Center is actually privatized. So my question to you, is that part of the reason why um, maybe the funding is not coming in there because they're gearing a lot of their um, funding acts for seniors? No, is I don't think that's the reason. I think it's really the problem is, is the small business services, the city okay. agency that's supposed to create workforce development centers. I mean, look, one of the reasons that I ran for city council is because I'm interested in trying to get city agencies to function better. Okay. The whole, one of the, the mandates of the city council is to perform oversight over all the city agencies. So I believe, you know, having served as a commissioner of three different agencies, I looked up close and personal at what small business services is doing. And I don't think with all due respect that they're doing enough okay. to create job opportunities for NYCHA residents. So I don't think it's it's it, it's it's really a fundamental flaw on, on, on behalf of that city agency. We need to hold their feet to the fire and ensure that they are creating more workforce development centers and that those opportunities are going to NYCHA residents. And particularly for young people, you know, we have got to create these opportunities for our young people. And that starts with paid summer internships. It starts with job training and opportunities. So from the youngest of ages, we're creating that economic opportunity for them. And I think in that, I think in those internships, they can intern in the buildings. They can intern mm -hmm. maintaining right. grounds. They can intern as painters. Right. They can intern right. as, uh, as, the, as the foundation of what would actually take care of those buildings. Mm -hmm. And then we, maybe we can get those private contractors that are in there, right, out of that situation and give these kids a real pipeline mm -hmm. yeah. into a city okay. job right, with a pension. Mm -hmm. right. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I mean, that's kind benefits, of how I see it, yeah. with benefits, right? Yeah. I mean, and it's funny with the workforce program, there is something on the other side of homes, which I think it has something to do with workforce, but the kids and the youth that are coming there are not our children. So right. that's a little conflicting because everybody's having opportunities in our center, except, except us. Except, right. Yeah. 
Who are the children that are coming? I don't know these youth. I, they travel. So they are not. They're working there. Nitra they're working residents. there. Well, I don't know if they're from another development, but they're actually working they're there. They're coming the there. No, I don't see none of our youth. They're not even. That's that's another thing. So okay. I will be having a conversation with them again on that because they're not engaging our youth. This is on our campus. Right. That's, that's how it is. So now, so now there's a lot of corruption in NYCHA, you know, from, from my perspective as, as an organizer. What is a what can the city council do to address what I believe to be rampant corruption happening in NYCHA? You know, and what's your yeah. thoughts on that? I'm so glad you're asking that. So again, I think it goes back to oversight. I mean, one of the things that I think is not happening right now that needs to happen is we have to ensure that the city council is performing its full oversight ability. And so certainly um, there is a committee of oversight and investigation in the city council. It has subpoena power. It has the ability to really crack down on issues regarding corruption, fraud, abuse, and make sure that the city council is providing that oversight. That is mandated in the city charter for the council to provide oversight. And, you know, that committee in particular has investigators, it has subpoena power, it has mm -hmm. lawyers on staff, mm -hmm. it has the ability to be able to do that really citywide on any city issue. So that is so incredibly important. Uh, that that happened. And that's, again, one of the fundamental reasons I am a lawyer. I served as commissioner of consumer affairs, where I supervised a whole team of investigators and lawyers where we launched investigations. That's something that I personally am really interested in and want to make sure that the council is performing that function, uh, certainly with regard to NYCHA, but quite frankly, regarding all city agencies. Right. Because we've seen in so many areas that the city agencies aren't performing to the fullest potential that they can. And so that's what I'm interested. It's not a question of grandstanding or shaming or anything like that. It's really just in the most basic ways, trying to get these city agencies to be less dysfunctional and mm -hmm. to really serve the interests of New Yorkers and particularly New Yorkers who are most in need. Yeah, that's kind of, you know, that's a, that's perfectly said, but we see that it's just not happening. Like there's a saying called the police can't police the police. police right, right? Right, right, right. So right. that's why they have a unit called IAB. And then if it's bigger, they'll go somewhere else. Even with NYCHA, with the former chair, with the lead poisoning, this woman was able to just resign. Right. She didn't want to leave right no away, but she was able to resign. And there was no accountability. And we just see administration after administration um, just run over NYCHA and not take care of the residents. I mean, there needs to be some accountability, even some of the, condi the conditions are criminal, you yeah, know, and that's yeah. that's what we would want to see somebody, um, some due process, somebody getting arrested for, uh, you know, the lack of care and the, the gross negligence, right, of, of the residents. Like, it's dangerous living in NYCHA. It, yeah, it pay really off is. With the management office paying off contractors. Right, and, yeah, it's been a lot of things. Which was in the news. Yeah, it was yeah. in the news. Right. All these scandals that are happening. Right. Yeah. The contract is actually paying off. Yeah. They're paying off the management right, right. to get yeah. the business yeah. and, yeah. and so forth. Julie, what I wanted to ask you is, um, and maybe you know, maybe you don't, but what has the city council, the present city council, huh? done for NYCHA? Yeah, I mean, this is a great 
great question. I mean, as I'm not in the city council now, I ran for city council. I'm excited to serve in the city council. I want a city council that is going to be far more active on NYCHA, that is really tracking everything from repairs, the lack of responsiveness on repairs time, that is that's focused on making sure that residents' issues are truly being heard. So I can assure you we have an incredible new council that is coming in. I mean, there are, I just want to tout this, there are 30 women yeah. uh, that won um, their primaries. Out of, mm-hmm. you know, out of 51 seats, most likely 30 are going to be held by women. This is incredible. Well, and I mentioned this because you've got a lot of moms that won their seat. You've got a lot of women activists that are true advocates for their community. So while I can't, you know, speak to you about what the council has done in the past, because I did not serve in the council, I can tell you what we will do in the future Ooh, is that okay. we are going to be incredibly, incredibly active. The majority of us, and I've, I've had the honor and pleasure of working with many of these women before when I was running the census, many of them were very active in making sure their communities uh, were involved in the census. We're going to be a very active body. And I think for NYCHA residents, uh, you know, they're going to have a real seat at the table because we're going to make sure that NYCHA residents have a seat at the table. So I can tell you what's going to happen moving forward. I mean, I think Sandrea can, can speak to this, you know, about my activism. I am so excited about the potential of serving in the council, and I'm really thrilled that we have this new um, body of incoming city council members. Yeah. So let me ask, um, does, does, does the city council have the ability to provide funding for NYCHAs? I believe I've heard that there's funding that the city council has had um, that they have not dispersed to NYCHA, you know, so does yeah. the city council have the ability to provide funding for NYCHA and, and, and what is, and what is, well, tell us more about that. Yeah, so certainly the city council, the city budget, absolutely. And I think, you know, our new incoming mayor, Eric Adams, has spoken about this, about allocating more funding to every single NYCHA development. And the city council will obviously be a big part of that because the budget is negotiated between the mayor and the council. So yes, absolutely, we can do that. But we also, to be clear, need the federal government to make sure um, that that the bill is passed that is really federally funding NYCHA because the federal resources are obviously at a far greater level than the city can ever provide. Mm-hmm. So we need to make sure that both are happening. They're not mutually exclusive. We need both um, a- happening at the table. And again, you know, going back to Congresswoman Nidia Velasquez, she has advocated so strongly for NYCHA and we all need yes. to now, you know, support her work and her bill to make sure that that moves forward. And it's gonna take like every hand on deck to to really solve this. But I am excited about the fact that there is this this new change in in city leadership and and really a whole new energy and direction that I think is gonna come to the city. So Mm -hmm. I think that is the good news. One statement, I just wanna say not a question. Um, When funding does come into NYCHA or whatever it is like allocated, they need to not do the five, 10 year thing. Right, because that's be that, yeah, we yeah. have to, I always say we need immediate funds. So even yeah. with the Nidia Velasquez, Velasquez bill, um, which I think is like, is it 40 or 40, yes. 40 right, billion right, for NYCHA? Right. Like that needs to be flushed in if that bill is ever passed. Anything that's coming in, because we do get funding and we do get billions of dollars, but it's over like a 10 year span. So, you know, it doesn't right, help. Right. Go ahead, I'm sorry. 
I just want to address the chat room just to let mm. you know. You know, I always like to acknowledge people in the chat room. Yes. Big shout out to Janet Jackson. She's in the chat room. Mm. Hey, Big Janet. shout out to Nick Lopez. By the way, Janet said she loves the color of your hair. Thank you, dear. I seen um, that. <laughs> Thank you. Big shout out to Joe Allen. Right. Um, big shout out to Marilyn Patterson is in the room. Right. Um, Janet says, my son wants to start his own business. He has his OSHA already. Wow. Mm. Okay. Michael Lopez says not only a lack of public trust, but a deliberate attempt to not allow a public trust committee. Mm. We can develop a low cost ownership uh, wealth building program mm. with tenants. The first order of business is our own apartments. Yeah. Mm. Right, 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 right. What, what do you think? What do you think about that? What do you think about Julie? What do you think about? And I heard this the other day um, on another show about NYCHA residents that want to take actual ownership of their apartments. Which I mean, I guess that would be like having a, a condominium. I guess is that what well, the ownership yeah, would yeah, mean? Or are we well, talking about ownership in terms of taking over the well, management? It could be resident. Aspect. It could be resident well, management, or or there's ways to own the apartment as well, but. It has to be done. And, and that probably would be more like a pilot program in like a particular building because you can't, it's no way you're going to get, sadly, a whole development to sign on board, like taking over the responsibility of their apartments, which they would have equity and everything else. And, and, you know, they'll get funding, you know, like loans or whatever to do it. But yeah. Julie, do you think we need a road to ownership of the NYCHA apartments? Look, I think one of the things with this sea change in city government with a new mayor and you know two thirds of the council turning over is there are going to be new discussions, you know, around NYCHA. There are going to be new opportunities. So I think what we really need to do is have the, these conversations and make sure that uh, residents' ideas, because there are a lot of ideas out there, that they're being fully heard and, and fully fleshed out. So I'm excited about that. I mean, I think we need to be having town halls all throughout the city, really focused on NYCHA residents, where we're talking okay. about some of these ideas and making sure, because look, there are so many interesting and different ideas out there. I know when I was Commissioner of Consumer Affairs in the first week that I started in that agency, you know, I encourage every single person in the agency to put forward their ideas because again, it was just because things are done a certain way does not mean that that's the right way. And I'm just have always been an outside yeah. the box thinker. And so we need to hear new ideas because what's been happening in the past clearly isn't working. So I wouldn't rule anything out. I just think, again, we're going to have this opportunity with this change in city government to really reimagine and re-explore some of these different ideas. Wow. That's, that's yeah. good. Uh, another issue I want to ask you about is um, there's a lot of overdevelopment, I believe, happening mm -hmm. in New York and, and not enough affordable housing being built and such. You know, So yeah. what is your position on some of the overdevelopments? I know growing up in NYCHA, you see all these high rises being built all around, yeah. you know, while the nice developments continue to crumble, you know, and, and usually in our neighborhoods, we're displaced and we're not a part of the growth. Yeah. You know, so what are, what are your thoughts on that and um, the need for more real affordable housing, uh, which we don't seem to have enough of now? We absolutely need more affordable housing. People are being priced out of their communities and that's not acceptable at, at all. I would say a couple of things. The district that I hope to represent, Council District 5, is actually the densest neighborhood in the city of New York. So there are enormous challenges to 
basically development because we've had a real lack of affordable housing. One of the problems that I think we have citywide is our whole land use development process, also called mm -hmm. ULERP, it's totally broken. It's yeah. been around for decades and it's a different negotiation every single time. So when a developer proposes developing something and it's going through the land use process, there's a whole de you know, negotiation between the community board, the borough president, city planning commission, and then <clears throat> city council. Sometimes the project's approved with a new school. Sometimes a new community center is built. Sometimes the height of the building is, is cut down. There's like a different result every single time. This is not comprehensive planning. This is not how the majority of other cities across the country develop their cities. We need to change the land use process and reform it because that, in my humble opinion, is really the best way that we will be able to build more affordable housing, build more school seats, do real transportation improvements in communities, um, a focus on hospitals. Like you have to have comprehensive planning where you actually look at the neighborhood, you look at the city, and you say, where are the needs? But to have a different negotiation every single time a development comes up, it, it's just not a, a sensible way to plan a city. And it's not a sensible way to ensure that we're building more affordable housing. I want to I switch gears a little bit here um, about something that also affects NYCHA, but it's a little bit different, right? Sure. What, what I've noticed is, uh, since I've been working in the schools, that in the poorer neighborhoods, the schools are terribly, terribly underfunded, right? You'll go in and you'll see these old computers. And I'm and although I'm not a I'm not a socialist, but I believe that in terms of schools, there should be sort of a socialist attitude about it, that in the rich neighborhoods and the poor neighborhoods, they should all have the same level of education mm -hmm. and access, right? What could we do, or is it possible to uplift these neighborhoods in NYCHA that are in NYCHA that have these schools right right by you know NYCHA you know buildings that are underfunded it's such a good point and it goes <clears throat> saying about reforming land use so in other major cities when there is development developers are required to donate into a uniform school fund for the surrounding neighborhood. Mm. That doesn't happen in New York City. So, New wow. York City, so when I chaired Community Board One downtown, we fought and we found the sites to build three new public schools. It wow. shouldn't be up to the Community Board to do that. Instead, what you need to have is making sure that when there is development, that funding is then going to support schools and particularly schools in, in vulnerable neighborhoods. I totally agree with you that it is unconscionable that some schools you know, lack the most basic services that like a computer room, an art room. Yeah. You know, these are like basic things that all kids should have the same opportunity. So we have to absolutely change that. And I think we will be able to do that with the right leadership. You know, and we are getting new leadership now. And that's, so I think we're at a really exciting moment for our city at this particular time because we have so many challenges. One more thing I'll say about schools is on the census, because we did so well on the census, we in New York City for the next 10 years are going to get a larger proportional share of funding for our public schools. Well, awesome. Wow. That's good to know. So that is great. That's good to know. That's yes. good to know. Great job. Well, um, as a parent, um, I have a child that's going to school now. Um, do you think the common mayor 
has done a good job in regards to dealing with um, COVID-19 and in-person learning and online learning. Because I see as a parent, a whole lot of confusion, you know, with all of it. And my child has not really been learning at all. So what are your, what are your thoughts on all of that? There's been so much confusion and new studies show that on remote learning, some children are losing around six months of learning because they were remote last year. That is a huge problem. There was so much confusing guidance that came out of the Department of Education about reopening and COVID rules and restrictions. And in terms of speaking to parents, they are rightly frustrated by this lack of guidance. We need to make sure that the schools fully stay open. We And by the way, the Department of Education should be releasing data on how many children are in school right now. They haven't released that data. Uh, we need to know that. That is like basic public information that should, quite frankly, be released. And so I think we need the Department of Education to be more transparent with parents and to also give them much more information and and more advanced notice about any changes that are coming down the pipeline. That's really important so that parents can properly plan. The guidance last year was totally confusing. A lot of it was last minute and a lot of it was conflicting. And parents uniformly were outraged. And so we just cannot have this again. Right now, Obviously, the city is in a better place with COVID, but we don't know what's coming down with new variants that might come out. And so we have to make sure that the Department of Education is being more upfront with parents and is also fully committed to making sure that the schools stay open. Yeah. I'm going to change gears on you again, Julie. Hmm. Okay. (laughs) We're getting every topic here. It's unbelievable. I think he's driving a stick. I'm changing gears again. So in a lot of the neighborhoods, once again, in terms of health care, the health care is subpar. Right. And I'm not going to call out, you know, individual hospitals. And I'm saying this because (laughs) I work in hospitals. I'm a CPR instructor and an advanced uh, cardiac life support instructor. And I go to these hospitals that are in these neighborhoods and these doctors, right, are are not intelligent to say the least, right? You go to a hospital like Presbyterian or you go to Northwell and the nursing staff and the physicians, they're all very attentive and it's a different culture. Right now, there's a program called the matching program that goes on in the hospitals, if you're not aware of it. And what happens is the uh, doctors, they when they come out of medical school, they apply to different hospitals, you know, and whatever hospital picks them, you know, that's what they get. Right. Um, The subpar doctors always seem to end up in our neighborhoods. Hmm. Right. So how do we. Fix that, because that also should be a socialist kind of a vibe. You know what I'm saying? If healthcare is good on Broadway and 168th Street, then healthcare should be good on Atlantic Avenue and Albany. What could, and, and maybe I'm making you aware of something, but what could we do to, to do that? Because yeah. we're, dealing with, we're dealing with mental health issues now and all these things, but if the foundation of where we get our uh, our healthcare from 
is subpar, then it's really meaningless. Like, what, what can we do about that? Yeah, so first of all, our public hospitals have been underfunded. And so I am deeply committed um, at the city council on making sure that our public hospitals are fully funded. I will Thank tell you. you on the census that a significant portion of the funding that we got from the census actually goes to public hospitals. So that is the good news um, in terms of funding that will happen over the next 10 years because of our results on the census. But we do need to do much more to support our public hospitals and we can't have these kinds of discrepancies in healthcare. I mean, I'm just a big believer without your health, you know, you have nothing. I mean, health is, yeah. is one of the most important things and we can't have these kinds of disparities that are happening and the disparities are happening. I mean, we saw it, you know, in terms of COVID. We saw the results of COVID, you know, in District 5, Council District 5, we saw the discrepancies in North yes. 96th Street and South of 96th Street. That is unacceptable. You cannot have these discrepancies. And so we as a city need to do far better to be supporting healthcare in our public hospitals and, and making sure that they are not these discrepancies. Also, I would say like in Council District 5, the childhood asthma rates north of 96th Street versus south of 96th Street, mm -hmm. again, you see these discrepancies, not acceptable. So we have to do far more to invest in terms of the matching program that you mentioned where residents are matched uh, to particular hospitals. If they're, you know, these inequities that you are talking about, we need to then be addressing them like uh, upfront and then ensuring that our hospitals that are not getting the same amount of funding are getting more funding and are getting more residents and top-notch residents. Wow. Yeah, I like that. And I, I have a question. Uh, you have a yeah, yeah, I just want like just to continue on with a little bit about the health. And then you can, yeah, thank you. Um, so uh Patch had an article out in September about tenants in the Upper East Side's public housing development were twice as likely to get infected by the coronavirus throughout the pandemic as the rest of the neighborhood. New data revealed that. So our five little buildings that are represented by the 68th Assembly District. So we, we're, we're not really on up east side when it comes to the Assembly District. We're going up with in Harlem, in East Harlem. And those five little buildings, were, we were impacted more than the rest of our neighborhood. Right, right. Like, what happened? Right. I mean, I know you. it's not your fault, but what could we have done and what can we do going forward? Because this virus is still here. Um, the pandemic is still raging with different variants and stuff like that. Um, there is no signage in our buildings to tell people to mask up. So it's a hit or miss. You know, it's no signage in how to board the elevators. I advocated for that through Community Board 8 a while ago. We got some things done and now it's just not done again. So what can we do to keep us safe? They're no longer sanitizing the, the touch points anymore as, as well. Wow. I don't see that. So I don't think the, the company that they had that was doing that. So what can we do to help preserve our lives from COVID? Because the, we have a lot, of, a lot of other issues living inside our apartment, but riding an elevator in NYCHA is dangerous. 
we need to make sure that there is sanitization. We need to make sure that there's proper PPE. We also have to make sure the vaccination rates go up because in the first six months of vaccination, if you looked at the discrepancy again with 96th Street being the dividing line in East Harlem had half the vaccination rate as the Upper East Side. So literally blocks apart, you were seeing double the vaccination rate on the Upper East Side versus East Harlem. That's not okay. For the past year, I have been urging the city to adopt the model we used on the census. We funded 150 community organizations that were their trusted voice in their neighborhood. The city needs to do that on vaccination because for so many communities that have concerns about the vaccine, we need to be giving funding to the local community organizations that are trusted in those communities. Yeah. And the city did not do that. And that is not okay. So we need to change that because again, you know, the best prevention against COVID is for to get the vaccination rates up. That is the single best way to, to, to preserve it. And, you know, unfortunately, not to sound overly pessimistic, but this is not going to be just a this year problem. COVID right. is going to be around for a long, long time. No, people don't stay masked. We're going to be dealing with this every single year mm -hmm. where we're going to need to ensure that people are vaccinated. And so to me, the best way to do it, you know, we had the same thing, by the way, on the census. We had many communities that were very distrustful of city government. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. Want to fill out the census. Yeah. So what we yeah. did, we, we brought in the local community groups. We also partnered with 10,000 houses of worship who yeah. also were the trusted voice in their community. Again, yeah. that is what we need the city of New York to do. I so, worked with you, so yeah. So now, yeah you did. You were fantastic. So now gun violence is a is a major issue mm -hmm. in Niger developments. And then you have some who say defund the police. You have some that say we need more police. Um, what are your thoughts on that? It's curbing the gun violence and that this is happening in Niger and around the city as a, as a whole. As a whole, yeah. Yeah, so on gun violence, there is a lot that honestly we need to do. When I was commissioner of consumer affairs, we cracked down on secondhand gun dealers because mm. the Department of Consumer Affairs actually licensed secondhand gun dealers. So we did a big investigation around that. We need to focus on gun buyback programs. So mm. we, we need to be putting more resources into that. And there is so much that we need to be doing. I think the fact that now we do have new incoming city leadership coming in that is really focused on public safety. And you know, all the polling shows citywide that one of the number one issues that people are focused on is public safety. And so we're gonna have to really focus on that. And I think you know we're going to have to focus on making sure on gun violence that we're doing everything possible using every tool in our toolbox to do that. And it's going to take a new approach and new leadership quite frankly to do that. And by the way, you know in terms of gun violence it also relates to moving the city's small businesses forward, tourism forward for so many small businesses and you you walk, you can walk down any street in New York City and you see small businesses close left and right. Yeah. Yeah. So we've got to make sure uh -huh. that people feel safe in their communities. We've got to bring our tourism industry back because that is going to pour more money into the city's coffers, which then will let us build more affordable housing, more schools, more funding for our public hospitals. Every subject that we've talked to about today, it's all interrelated. 
And mm. so it's going to take a holistic approach and really strong leadership on all of these different issues. I think that um, I saw something interesting today on CNN. We were talking about due to the supply chain that there would be a food shortage that would come up. And I was on Dallas Report on CNN today. Um, but that's not my question. If we can stop, if the supply chain for food can slow down, <laughs> how can we figure out to stop the supply chain of guns mm, getting, into that, getting into the community? Right. Because obviously they have to be brought from somewhere. Yep. Yeah. They are shipped from somewhere. <clears throat> yep. Right. So I, I agree with the buyback program. Mm. But if I can just give you my gun and you give me some money, but then my supply chain is still open, then I just got another gun and I got some cash. Yeah. Right. So what do you what are your thoughts on that? Like, how can we police the supply chain? Right. That's bringing the guns into the city. dealers, yeah. the dealers, yeah. the actual dealers, right? right. We're prosecuting the kids, but mm -hmm. we ain't prosecuting right. the people that are yeah. selling the Put guns to the, the kids. Yeah. No, you're, and you're absolutely right about that. We need to stop the, the supply chain coming into the city because that's the fundamental problem. And it's been a really difficult problem. And, you know, you see all the time when the NYPD is talking about it, that they are challenged with how to do it as well. And so I do think um, that having a new mayor and Eric Adams, someone who has this experience is gonna be incredibly important. We're gonna have new leadership at the NYPD. We're gonna have new leadership uh, in terms of the mayor, in terms of the council, and we're gonna need to, to, to change the approach because it has to stop. It really has to stop. And it's gonna take obviously new leadership and approach to do that because what's mm -hmm. happening now is not working. Right. And I agree with that. It's yeah. just, it isn't working. Can, you know, yeah. like locking up kids, mm -hmm. it's not working. Mm -hmm. Right. So we need to cut off the head of the snake, really. Yeah. Yeah. As far as I'm concerned. And that, that's just, I, I just want to say that. And okay. I want to piggyback on that. So we know, since, you know, we're on the NYPD a little bit, and now y'all know I'm a former member of service, um, there is abuses in the police department. And um, I remember last year, I believe it was in June. Um, doing the curfew. And I know you put a tweet out regarding the curfew, uh, which you, you know, did, which, which was good. And people probably wasn't aware um, against the curfew. Um, the kettling, you know, there was kettling done in the Bronx, Mount Haven and stuff like that. So those are, those are abuses. And my question is to you as a city council member, of course, everybody wants to be safe in their community. We all want public yeah, safety, sure. mm -hmm. uh, but we, we also don't want to be over-policed or abused by the police. So I am just want to ask, like, would you be able to, if you see something wrong or know about something wrong as a council member, will you be able to speak about it, speak out against it? Um, I know you know the mayor or could get to know him even better, but I know you know him. Like, you know, just be, be a voice for the people because it's it's definitely uncomfortable being a person of color, how we are policed. And I'm, you know, I'm just being real. I worked in the agency. We are police different. We even seen it during COVID um, in Carl Schuss Park, how people were able to be on the grass without masks on. And in Brooklyn, they were being, you know, being treated hostile by law enforcement. So how can city council work on, you know, holding them accountable? I know we had the qualified immunity has been. Uh, abolished in for the NYPD, but 
how can we go forward and, and make it everybody safe, everybody to feel safe by the police, as well as still have public safety, but not abuse people of color with impunity. This is so important. We can't have two systems of justice and we have to have meaningful criminal justice reform. I just really believe that you can have public safety and have meaningful criminal justice reform. They're not at odds. And so it's gonna be incredibly important to do that. Um, I think one of the things, honestly, that we need to do is have a national registry. So for cops that have abused their power, there should be a national registry for that. It's an idea that has been talked about, but it hasn't really happened. And so that's one way that we can do it. We also need to focus on the civilian complaint board, make sure that it's properly funded, properly resourced, so that if there are issues of abuse, they are fully being investigated. And, and brought to justice. So those are some of the many things that we need to do. But of course, we, we have to make sure that there is meaningful criminal justice reform. I've served on the reform board of the Veer Institute of Justice that has done a lot of really innovative work on criminal justice reform. And so okay. I, I do think that you know in this next city council and with this new mayor, we are gonna be able to get into those issues and I look forward to working on them. Now, I, I, one of the big issues I know we're dealing with now is homelessness. Right. You know, and um, that's become a big issue around NYCHA. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of NYCHA developments are being swamped with homeless folks uh, who are being kind of kicked out of the hotels and just sent out into the street. So I think, in my opinion, uh, the homeless uh, system that we have now is broken, mm -hmm. um, seems not to be working, uh, seems not to be serving the homeless population or the communities that, 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 that the hotels are in. So what, what are your thoughts about that? What changes can we look forward to from city council to help with that problem? Yeah. So right now there are 12 city agencies that are addressed with dealing with some aspect of homelessness. And these agencies are largely siloed. So we need to change that approach first and foremost. Secondly, we're spending approximately $3 billion a year on the shelter system. And very oftentimes for those that are experiencing homeless that are on the homelessness that are on the streets, they don't wanna go into the shelter system yeah. because they feel the shelters are dangerous. That's not okay. If we continue to give city money out to providers and the, the, the shelters are not safe, yeah. then we need to rethink that approach and really look at those providers and make sure that we're giving city money out to providers who are going to build a safe system. But most importantly, we need to build more long-term supportive housing because yes. at the end of the day, we don't want people living in shelters. We want to provide permanent, affordable, supportive housing with job yeah. training, with mental health services, so that's what we need to do. That is the long-term solution. I got a quick question. Okay, okay. Not, not a question, actually. I have an idea. Julie, I'm feeling good right now. Okay, you ready? <laughs> All right. I'm feeling good about this. I think I think this is a goal. I think we can work on a bill. I have an idea. All right. Here it is. Suppose we created a bill, right? Because we have all these bills that put people behind bars for life sentences. And then when, it, when we had the marijuana problem, we mm -hmm. had a bill for that, right? Suppose we created a bill to dampen the supply chain of weapons into the city. And we say, if you are a supplier of guns, you will get a life sentence in prison for supplying guns, illegal weapons. 
-hmm. What if we did something like that? I mean, you know, wouldn't that kind of slow down the supply chain a little bit? Yeah, I mean, look, there are a lot of um, laws on the books about um, uh, guns and, and, and dealers. Like, I can tell you that it's been a historic problem on how to crack down on gun dealers. So I gave you the example, like when I was Commissioner of Consumer Affairs, our only jurisdiction there was on secondhand gun dealers. So there are some legal issues that we need to really look through on this. But I, I agree with the idea that we have to do more, obviously, to stop the supply chain. Like we have to use every tool legally in our toolbox. And that means everyone working from the mayor to the council, to the NYPD, to the DAs, you know, all across the board, we need an all hands on deck approach. This is a crisis in the city of New York and we have to stop it. Well, this is, this has been a great And I do want to go back to the, the, the shelter thing that you spoke about, because I personally was homeless myself. And I know that um, they're being paid 3000 as such, you know, per person. And the services, you're right, that, that you receive are horrible. You know, so then another question I have for you in, in terms of how all this is working, when you look at the lack of affordable housing, what are your views on AMI and, and, and taking the incomes you know, from other other neighborhoods and, and actually putting that into our neighborhoods, which makes it very difficult to have real affordable housing that takes us out of this whole shelter issue that we're having. So what, what are your thoughts on I that? I couldn't agree with you more. It's such an important point. Right now, Putnam County, Rockland County, Westchester County, all of that is going into our AMI, yeah. our area yeah. income. It is a problem. Yes. We don't have a city AMI. All right. And yes. that has to change. So we need everyone to be lobbying to change the formula yes. so that we truly have a city AMI as opposed yes. to Westchester and Rockland and Putnam County and all these suburban counties, you know, being combined with New York City. Yeah, so right. I totally agree with that. I've been talking about it for a long time. I'm committed to reforming that. Awesome, yeah. Ooh. I got I gotta hit the room real quick, Julie. Before we go, yeah. Before we go. Okay. Um yeah, Johnson time. says, uh, all right, well, there's a, there's a bunch. Okay. Michael Lopez says Metropolitan Hospital, mm -hmm. no COVID patients as reported uh at cab meeting four days ago. I'm just gonna read it down. Mm -hmm. Uh Emily Johnson says, not she, I guess she's talking about the guns, not only shipped, transported guns. Is big business. Mm -hmm. It must be stopped. Gun violence is even more active now than before. Yes, it is. Mike Lopez says all guns can be traced to the manufacturer, which mm -hmm. is true. Mm -hmm. You have to focus on manufacturers and media profiting from inner city crimes. Mm -hmm. We are losing babies at, uh, at birth while losing uh, while losing us by guns. Mm -hmm. It is a war. It is a war dis disguised as caring, but not investing in control. Um, who else we got? The United States needs to revamp across the board. Prison is not safe. Shelters are not safe. Mm. Streets are not safe. Homes are not safe. Mm. So safe. <laughs> somebody preaching. Yeah, somebody's coming in. And they're right. And mm -hmm. I just wanted to make you aware of yeah. some of the comments yeah. in the chat room. Yeah. Julie, and I just want to say, I know we're at the hour. Yeah. And mm -hmm. I've totally... Um, uh, I totally loved engaging with you mm -hmm. um, in the conversation, you know, in the very spirited conversation. And we kind of ran around the board and I want to 
thank you for coming for coming back onto the show. Thank you yeah. so much for having me. I really appreciate it. I love speaking yeah. with you about it. We covered so much ground. Thank yeah. <laughs> incredible questions. Yes, we did. Any closing remarks from you, Julie? No, I'm just excited. I have a general election, so mm -hmm. don't want to take that for granted. I'm out yeah. campaigning every day. I have a Republican opponent. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. We have very different views, I will yes. just say. That's so right. it's a clear choice yes, uh, for voters in the 5th District, but we want to make sure people vote. We can't yes. be complacent and taking it for granted. Every day right. when I'm out on the streets campaigning, people will say, oh, well, you won the primary. That's mm -hmm. it. I said, no, this is a two-step process. There's a right. general election, a very important general election, and we need people to vote. That's right. Early voting starts when? October 23rd. So 10 days of early voting. Okay. Or people, of course, can vote on November 2nd on election day or request an absentee ballot. So three different ways to vote. Awesome. Any closing remarks from you all? Well, um, I just like to say it's um, great to have you come back, you know, and, and address tonight to audience that's listening. Yeah. Um, I liked a lot of the answers myself, you mm -hmm. know, so I'm, I'm glad you're in position because we need representation. Yeah. We need to, to feed the blueprint. We need our leaders to speak out against that. So hopefully mm. you'll be an ally yeah. for all of us as we continue this fight. Mike. Smooth money, Mike. Yes. Good luck. And I'm here for you. <laughs> Smooth money. Smooth. Thank you so much. Julie, as always, we communicate. See you soon. Bless you. And thank you for coming back out. Thank we are you so much, everyone. Yes. We are closing down this this uh, show, yes. the it was the return of Julie Minnett, yes, right? Yes, yes, <laughs> Who yes. is Julie? They learned about you today. Thank Absolutely. you. One night to one people. We one lift night, and all. One night to one people. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>